Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Hello, my friends. All over the world, wherever you are, hello, greetings, good evening, good morning, whatever it is, whatever this is right now when you're listening. Welcome to episode 92 of the Sample Chapter Podcast. I am Jason A. Meiske, your host for what is sure to be an episode for the record books. Oh my gosh. I you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna hold that thought for just a moment because I'm not gonna talk very much. We got a long episode, but it it's funny because it doesn't feel like a long episode. It's over before you know it, because it's it's quite the ride. Trust me on that one. Uh, let me just say first off, thank you so much for uh, all the listeners all around the world. Thank you, everybody. And again, the D- Dominican Republic, Brazil, Sweden, uh, Australia, New Zealand, uh, even over there in uh, Taiwan. I mean, oh my gosh, all you wonderful people out there listening to this show. Spain, holy cow, Spain, you guys, all of you out there in Spain, you guys rock. Oh my gosh, you are just blowing up the downloads. Thank you so much. I really appreciate all of you, and I'm just very humbly thankful that uh, that I have a show that you are appreciative of. I hope that you're finding a few books that you like and that you are uh, picking up a few along the way. Make sure you're leaving a review for them once you uh, finish the book. And, of course, if anybody out there feels like leaving a review for me on I guess iTunes is still the best place to leave a review, a rating for the show, but you know what? Anywhere you'd like, I'll be more than happy. iTunes, YouTube, Google Play, wherever it is you're listening, if you want to leave me a review, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Like I said, I I hope you're finding lots of authors and uh, wonderful new books, because I know every week I'm very touched by the authors I get the privilege of speaking to and getting to sample their, their books. Anyway, uh, yeah, so we're going to go ahead and get into the sponsors. Scrivener, you're going to hear an ad from them here in just a moment. Even if you're not a writer, there are so many applications for this. So just trust me on that. It is the absolute best writing software that you can find, and it helps you in so many ways. So make sure you click the link in the show notes to get on over to Scrivener and uh, listen up for the ad here in just a moment. I also want to thank you, Storall, out of Warrensburg, Missouri. So if you are looking for self-storage in the Warrensburg area, get on over to ustorall.net first and look them up. They are completely secure. They have the options of climate control and non-climate control. Solar-powered, very, very clean site. They do so much to maintain a facility that looks like a place you want to go to. Click the link in the show notes for you store all, uh, or you can pull them up on your own. It is u s t o r a l l dot net. And of course, my buddies over at popgoesaculture.com, they have so many incredible shows over there. I'm having a lot of fun. The guys over at the Back in Time podcast, they're having a lot of fun this month talking about uh, horror movies, you know, Halloween themed movies. The uh, Pop Goes the Culture crew they're discussing all kinds of halloween scary stuff you know the best ones for the generations of the 60s and 70s and then last week was 80s and 90s 
I can only assume that coming up it's going to be the uh, 2000s. So make sure you're checking all of that out over at popgoesaculture.com. You can just click the link in the show notes for more. So this week, <laughs> you know, uh, let me just sum it up this way. Life is a wild ride. Sharing the twisted stories is what brings us together. Those wise words come from our guest, but something else that comes from somebody not our guest, but rather it was Samuel L. Jackson who said it best in the very first Jurassic Park. Hold on to your butts. We've got Miranda O. on the show. <laughs> now, yeah, he didn't say that about uh, Miranda, but you are in for a wild ride. This is, oh my gosh, just right off the bat, we get going. And you're going to hear, I, mean, I, I left some things in there that I would normally cut, that I would normally edit, just because the episode was just so much fun. I mean, right from the very beginning, <laughs> I had to start over the, uh, the beginning, the uh, introduction for her. Miranda and I talk about all kinds of things. I mean, really, it comes down to a matter of what did we not talk about? <laughs> I can more more or less just kind of hand the microphone over to Miranda and let her go. And uh, <laughs> she kind of went all over the place for me. So it was a matter of me kind of standing back and going, oh, wait, let me let me touch on this. Let me touch on that. And it was it was a blast. It was a real blast and uh, so much fun to just try and keep up with her. Uh, her book series, Chin Up, Tits Out series they are uh, they're they're best sellers they are incredible and they are a real like you know hands in the air chick lit empowerment for women you know the kind of like hell yeah kind of books that uh, you want to just get out there and read and yeah i mean i'm a you know nearing 50 year old guy but you know i can see the message cuz it's not just for women at its heart this is a message for anybody out there who is facing some kind of a strife, some kind of issue. This is the kind of book for you. I, you know, you're going to have to listen to hear what I'm, what I'm talking about. So stay tuned for a word from Scrivener, and then we're going to get right on over to our interview with Miranda O. Jason here. Hey, I wanted to take a moment and tell you about my favorite writing tool, Scrivener. Now, I know you've heard about Scrivener because their writing software has been embraced by hundreds of thousands of other writers like you and I, from the novice to best-selling novelists. The reason we all use it is because of Scrivener's core concept to bring all the writing tools you use together in a single application. And with tools like automatic backup, character maps, project goals, and let's not forget that amazing corkboard, you can see why I use Scrivener every day. As a bonus for Sample Chapter Podcast listeners, use code CHAPTER for 20% off your desktop version. Scrivener Writing Software, built by writers for writers. Take two. Take two, <laughs> yes. Hello, Sample Chapter listeners. Hey, when the going gets tough, there is no shame in sipping a little wine, or in my case, a little whiskey here, or maybe having an ugly cry. We are having a wonderful chat today with a new friend of mine, Miranda O, author of the Chin Up Tits Out series, and I'm I'm already laughing my eyes out with her. Miranda, welcome to the show. Hey Jason, thanks so much for having me today. 
I'm I'm having a blast talking with you. I mean, we've already been doing this for like half an hour, and (laughs) (laughs) it's a good thing this is recorded. I may have to do like behind the scenes here and there once in a while and put up an episode of that kind of stuff because, oh my gosh, we're I'm having a riot right now. (laughs) Me too. I'm having so much fun. I can't wait to actually dive into the book. I think we're gonna have some fun today. Absolutely. Well, let us know a little bit about yourself um, as as an author, or what do you what do you do? Yeah, for sure. So um, I am located straight up central Canada, right in the prairies in Manitoba. Um, Some people call it winter peg up here, but uh, the people are super friendly. The colder it gets or the harsher the weather, the more we kind of hunker down and and share the kindness here. And so I absolutely love my home. Um, Outside of writing chin up, tits out and talking about positivity and attitude and how you mesh those together, you know, good things happen. I work a corporate life. I'm an Airbnb host. And so I have my hands in a million different pots every day. Um, just trying to turn a buck into two bucks and trying to have fun in this life and try to experience as much as I can. And, um, that's, that's a little bit about me and I'm super thrilled to share a little bit about the chin up tits out series. So two out of the three of the books are out already. The first one is remember no matter what chin up tits out because remember really no matter what stick your chin up put your shoulders stick them back hold your head up high and move forward because if you do that good things will happen it's like the fake it till you make it right if you're if you're insecure and nervous on the inside don't show it on the outside and eventually the outside will match the inside right Hmm. um so that's That's the whole book number one. Now, book number two is When All Else Fails. Girl, don't you forget, chin up to itself. Because really, when all else fails, we know life is going to get tough. We know life is going to throw us curveballs. We know life is going to throw us really crappy, hard decks to, uh, you know, cards to handle sometimes. And sometimes those are really dark things. Everybody experiences them throughout their lifetime, some more than others. And what we just got to keep remembering that when literally everything else seems to be failing around us, chin up, tits out, press on, move forward. And then the third book, um, it's going to be launched early 2020, and uh, that's Just Breathe, Chin Up, Tits Out. Well, that's, I mean, like the draft name title right now, but like the gist of it. Um, so it's the end. It's the final trilogy, uh, the final piece of the trilogy, and I'm super excited to, to wrap this story up. So now what's the story, right? I know you're asking yourself <laughs> yes. that question. Like, girl, get to it. Um, So I'm going to read a little bit from book two because um, book two was obviously the the last one that was released, and it ties in both book one and book three. So uh, let me give you a little bit of background and heads up around book one and what the story's all about. So we meet a young female uh, I believe she's 18, 19 when we first meet her, um, and her name is Hadley. She's graduated from high school, going to college, seemed to kind of have her life mapped out, you know, driven young female. 
And then she meets a cute boy with an accent and surfer vibes. <laughs> and all the sense goes out the window. She falls head over heels in love with this man. And so she now embarks on this journey of trying to bring this person and immigrate him permanently to Canada. He is from South Africa. So, again, young, in love, heated romance, passion, this immigration is going to be so easy, naivety. (laughs) 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 And so this journey that these two kids embark on together doesn't turn out to be the easy romantic love story that we all hoped it would be. It's the real life stuff. South Africa, you're dealing with the apartheid, you're dealing with racism still, you're dealing with corruption, with immigration and governments and and it's difficult to to be there sometimes. And I found out firsthand, therefore translated it into a fiction book, that it was very difficult to go through that. And then you couple that with long distance relationships. You're not, you know, you're not a state or two or a province or two over. You are a 31 hour travel time away from each other and seven, eight hours time difference. So you're not only battling this love story or trying to deal with this love story and and evolve it, you're dealing with these real-life things that happen to real-life people these days and have these attitude to remember consistently, no matter what happens with this journey of immigration and long-distance relationships, um, to keep her head held high, keep her chin up, her tits out and you know moving forward and no matter what roadblocks that lie ahead of her she was like all right let's do this let's find a solution and that positive mentality got them through you know that chapter and that phase now my books are a little bit situated like star wars now you're like what (laughs) okay sorry sorry what yeah i know okay um now, when I mean situated like Star Wars, I mean you get the ending first, and then then it works its way up, right? Okay. So when you open up book one and you read the prologue, you meet Hadley in a future state where she is this nervous disaster. She's trying to put lipstick on and getting ready for a a first date. And you're like, what first date? But we're just talking about falling in love, right? So future happy. She's nervous, shaky, anxious, sweaty in places, getting ready for this first date. And you're like, what is going on? And then it cuts to how she actually first fell in love. So there's no connection to the stories. And you're like, what is going on? So that's why you got to keep reading to book two and then to book three, all, the light bulb's going to go off. I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> so then book two, we pick up book two and we pick up the prologue and the prologue starts us where we, where we left Hadley getting ready for her date. So the first book prologue number one was getting her ready for the date prologue book two 
is the date, is the first date. And then prologue book three is the night after the date, or the sorry, the morning after the date. So it all ties into what led Hadley to be this seemingly strong, independent person coming out of high school, going into college, having her life mapped out and being so confident about this love, like much of us are when it is our first love, right? We're so confident about it and we believe in nothing but that. And um, and that was Hadley. That was where she was at in her life. And then it didn't happen. Something happened and it was tough to deal with. And, um, and she, she prevailed. She had this chin up, tits out attitude consistently through it. And, and that's the funnest part about it because now we get to actually go and talk about what this date is really like and uh, what happened on this date because it's the funnest part, in my opinion. Any well, one of the funnest parts, in my opinion, anyways. Um, so, yeah, we'll get right into it. Now, before I start reading, um, I do want to just take note at the dedication in my book, one, because I don't know if anybody reads it. And two, it kind of sets the tone as to what's important and what, what, what I feel is important in reading this book and what kind of what we want to take note of in this book. I like, I obviously written fiction, but it's based on reality. It's based on truth, real life events that have happened in my life and people and my and people that I know. And, and I, and I often like to say that reality is stranger than fiction sometimes. And I just want it to be relatable. So there might be a learning little light bulb moment through this and then we'll get right into the prologue. Well, here, okay. hang on, but before you get started with that, I wanted to, uh, let you take a breath here and, uh, take a moment. Oh my goodness. I was not warned ahead of time to fasten my seatbelt and be ready for this roller coaster. This has been fun already. Oh my goodness. Good, good, good. And if I talk too much, I'm so sorry. Oh no, no, no trouble at all. This is, I'm having a blast. But I, I wanted to ask, and you, you were talking a little bit on, you were touching on it, and we were talking about it before the show began too, about mm-hmm. like with book three, you haven't finished that book yet because you haven't lived it yet. And then you touched on that a little bit there, how so much of what goes on throughout the Chin Up Tits Out series are events inspired by your life. Um, mm-hmm. Can you can you talk a little bit about that? Well, you don't have to spoil anything, but... Uh, oh, yeah, uh, for sure. So, um, I don't know about you, but throughout my 20s, a lot of stuff happened. And I look back on it and go, wow, it was experience. Figuring out exactly what I don't want and coming up with a list of things that I do like. Now, if you look at the release dates on my my books, book one was released in 2016, book two was released in 2017, and we're now coming on the end of 2019, and book three is coming out next year. So yeah, there is a gap. I uh, I needed to live through the decade of my 20s to write the end of the book. Now, the first two books are very much focused on me and my ex-husband and that story. And like I depicted in the first book, we dealt with immigration and we dealt with long distance relationship and young love and very different cultures. 
Um, and then in book two, we actually immigrated him to Canada. And then very shortly after he moved to Canada, and as we moved to him to Canada, we were like, woo, yeah, it's like our fairy tale <laughs> happy ending. You know, like, you know, we're married at this point, And, you know, there was a big white wedding and so much wedding gifts and wedding hoopla. And then a few weeks later, he was diagnosed with cancer. And just like that, there was a whole new mountain for us to climb. And we dealt with that for a year. And much like anybody that's dealt with cancer, their journey is never a straight line. It was the most roadblocked, extensive <laughs> um, route that I could ever have imagined. Everything that could have gone wrong seemingly went wrong. And through the cancer, there was mental illness, there was addiction, um, there was PTSD, and and then all of a sudden, everything just ended really abruptly, and I'll leave it at that. And then we, we come into book three, trying to recover from all of that. And, you know, let's be real and and remove all of our our own scenarios and come down to the fear of dying, the fear of being alone, the fear of being abandoned by your loved ones, um, you know, the fear of of losing control, you know, losing everything that you think that you wanted. That's no and losing yourself through that. You know, how do you recover through that? But now when it comes down to getting through it, again, you have that chin up, tits out attitude. I don't want to produce content that's heavier than what life is already giving you. Life is going to give you shit storms and curveballs and and sometimes kind of be a dick. And I want to create content and share a story going, hey, no matter how dark it gets, we can find a twisted sense of humor. We can find a silver lining and we can find a way to put a smile on our face. And sometimes, most of the all of the time, that means your tribe, your village, your people need to come together, band together and, and you pull through it together. Um, and, and that's, that's all kind of the philosophy behind, behind this. Wow. Yeah. And it's, oh my gosh, there's so much there to, uh, to unpack and dive into that. It's, it's like hard to even focus on a, a single one. And just like your book, you know, being inspired by so many things, it's, it's just you talking about it is making me reflect on things, uh, throughout my twenties. Uh, cause mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's crazy to think. Like I entered the military at 18. I met the love of my life at 18 and so much that went on just from that 18 to 30 and how yeah. much changed. And it was just, holy cow. Like, but that though, you're right though. That decade is so, it makes such a definition on your life in that time. Uh -huh. And it's so cute. this is, this is great that, uh, as you say, life is a wild ride. Sharing the twisted stories is what brings us together. So this is great that you can, 
get that that chin up tits out attitude and share it with the world for others to heal the way you're healing yeah i mean attempting to like i mean what floats my boat doesn't necessarily need to float your boat but maybe like your light bulb flickers a little bit you know, or maybe a couple of the things that I said can piece together and make more sense to you. Like, it's it's all about perspective. And, and if you hear somebody with a different perspective, with an open mind and an open heart, and again, that's why I want something relatable and something lighthearted when, when, when I share my stories, because then it's easier to digest heavy stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like when when they tell you cancer stuff or health related issues, they're going and using big words, and you're just like, "Man, could you just make it more simpler for me?" And like <laughs> layman's terms, like, "Am I going to die? Can I not? Like, am I infertile? Like, do you have to? Is my hair going to fall? Like, what? what is, just tell me. Don't use these big words and beat around the bush, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and if we can make some lighthearted of it, like, then I'm gonna find some humor because I mean, life is gonna hand us sticky situations. I'm gonna try to find a way to smile through them, and maybe that might be wrong or right. It's very hard to tell when an angry person is smiling, <laughs> or a very like upset or sad person, and they're still smiling. And they're like, "Are you seriously upset right now?" I'm like, "I know, I have a smile on my face, but it's just because I'm a happy person. That doesn't mean I'm happy right at this moment." <laughs> <laughs> right. So, yeah, like, I mean, like, well, am I doing this all right? I don't know. But, you know, I'm just trying to live life happy and share what works for me, and then maybe it will work for somebody else. Yeah, yeah. Or you'll shake your head at me and think I'm absolutely crazy, and that's <laughs> cool, too. Like, I'm 100% cool with that. It makes you feel more normal. Yeah, but... well, you're an author, so, I mean, we've got to be a little crazy to be doing some of what we're doing. To tell some oh, of the yeah. stories that we're telling. <laughs> now, is writing something you've always had an interest in, or is this is this something that came up with along with the idea for Chin Up to Tell? Um. Well, I I mean, I graduated with a creative communications diploma. Hmm. Hmm. So, like, I I majored in public relations. I minored in broadcast. I don't really do I well I mean I t- I dabble in both of them in my day job and I obviously dabble a little bit of both of them when I do write um what I've always always have been is a storyteller in whatever capacity I can be I've always been a storyteller and um when immigration initially got crazy I remember looking at somebody, my family, my friends, probably all of them. And I said, this is going to be a book one day. Like this is going to be a book one day. Like it can't not be, this is too ridiculous. Like the stuff that we are dealing with right now is too ridiculous to be true, but it's my reality. You know, like I had a pink little flip flown and I would go to Seven Eleven um, and buy a phone card that I had to scratch the code off on the back and then dial like a seven, oh, seven gosh, five yes. digit number and then call overseas. And then you're lucky to get, if it's like a 75 minute card, you're lucky to get 30 minutes out of it of decent reception. Mm-hmm. The other 35 minutes are like, Hey, can you hear me? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? 
Hello. Hello. I love you. I love you. Like, so, and that was my reality for years. Um, And going back to, so it, it, you know, and it is what it is. I love telling stories. Um, I've always written stuff down. Um, (laughs) And then when, when the whole immigration battle was over and the cancer battle was you know, transitioned into the next phase. Um, it was time to heal and I healed a little bit. I changed jobs. I did a massive career change. Um, and then I got a whole bunch of time. (laughs) And when you have a whole bunch of time, your brain starts to rethink things and relive things. I'm like, ah, I got to get the story out of my brain now. It's hurting me. And uh, so then I started to write, and I wrote the first book in two weekends. Oh, wow. Yeah, I wrote the first book in two weekends. I wrote the second book in like four months, and I the third book it took me over a year. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I don't – but like the time difference when I was – Writing about book one, I was 25, and and I was writing about when I was 18, 19, 20-ish. So you have seven years to process, live, think, explore, evolve, right? And then mm-hmm. immediately 11 months later, I wrote the second one, and it was – so I was, what, 26? Yeah, I think I was 26 – 10 days after I launched the second book. I looked so good on that birthday. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> it was a good birthday. Uh, and so I launched the second book, and I was writing about 21, 22, 23. So, again, you still have that five-ish years to process, or, sorry, three to four years to process. And then the last couple of years, I've been trying to write about the last few years of my 20s and, like, condense it into, like, what makes a good book without sounding completely unethically appropriate. <laughs> like, no, you can't write about those things. Okay. So I'm going to write about these things. You can write about those things. Okay, great. <laughs> but, again, yeah, 20s, like, how, how pivotal – are the is that decade in the development and the setting for the rest of your adulthood? It yeah. really it like if you brush through it, you'll wake up in your thirties, forties, fifties, going, "Oh my God, this is not the life that I wanted." Yeah. Or if you stumble, you know, head over feet and not know which way is up and go left instead of right, and you know. Get dirty, get you know, get your hands in the mud, experience things, live your life, feel your feelings, you know, mm-hmm. sit in it. If you make a mistake, sit in it for a little bit. Make sure you don't make that mistake again. If something works out for you, celebrate it. You know, set yourself up so you actually can create the life that you want versus find something that gives you pleasure right here, right now, and then attempt to stick in it because that's what you chose at the right here, right now. Yep. It's funny because I was just having a conversation today with my oldest daughter, who's 22. Uh-huh. And she was talking about going into her, 
uh, fifth year now, uh, out of school, out of high school. Mm-hmm. And she's, you know, been just kind of working since then and doing a little bit of uh, some education. And she's going, how, how can this be the fifth year already? And <laughs> we had this like mm-hmm. deep, deep conversation talking about that. And I'm going like, honey, this would be my 30th. Uh, <laughs> just give it some time. It's amazing how it starts flying by. And she was just like, yeah, oh my gosh, it's just, she's like really like getting that focus on like, what am I going to do from here? Because like, yeah, when you're 18, you have dreams and it's like the world is your oyster. And then by the time you hit 22, you start to have a little bit of reality. And then what am I doing now? (laughs) Yeah, right. Right. And Mm -hmm. and you see, like, I see if, if I look at, you know, the, I think I graduated with a few hundred people, um, like graduated high school, every single, not, not one of us are in the same spot in life. We're not like, none of us are identical and we all left high school in the identical position in life. You know what I'm saying? Like we had all accomplished everything together at that point. Mm -hmm. And the last, okay. So I'm, I think it's 12, oh seven. Yeah. So 12, almost 13 years now and like everybody's at a completely different points in life and it's so interesting just to kind of evaluate and see and and assess and oh yeah I think life is a very interesting interesting journey and you just got to be part of it and present for it yeah absolutely and and to have that attitude of keep your chin up Mm -hmm. arm shoulders back Attack, mm-hmm. attack the world, and, and you mm-hmm. can do it. <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. <clears throat> Absolutely. So, all right, so you've got the third book is is uh, pretty much done. You're just waiting on the timing. It's going to be coming out here in a few months. What uh, What is next for you? Like, what's ne- next after Chin is up? Oh, so I recently had come up with a new series that I'm kind of toying with. Um, so again, it will be another trilogy cause good things happen in threes. Um, so since my Chinese doctor, uh, I love her. She puts ear pressure points in me and like sticks me with needles and makes me feel better. So, uh, you know, she's good. <laughs> um, now, uh, earlier this year I was strapped with an endometriosis and adenomyosis diagnosis. So I don't know if you've ever heard of any of those, but a little, a little upwards of it's a reproductive condition. Both of them are when our, and our, essentially our reproductive system is not doing what it's supposed to. It's supposed to get rid of cells and these cells are mysteriously showing up in different places of our body. And when those cells show up in different places of our body, they cause lesions and contusions and um, scar tissue and it causes pain and infertility problems and inflammation. And the, the laundry list is long and the treatment list is not. And there is no cure and there's no rhyme or reason as to why it happens. The unfortunate part is it affects one in every 10 women. Um, so it's like 175 million women. Like it, there's so many women that are dealing with it, but the average length of diagnosis is seven years. I struggled with mine for two with unexplained invisible pain on the outside and all the tests came back negative. And I'm like, 
I can run marathons. I can lift weights. I can do whatever, whatever I set my heart out to. I was athletic. I was strong. I was persevered through everything. And then all of a sudden this debilitating disease that was inside of me caused me to stop my life. And it was a really long two years trying to figure out one, what was going on with me and two, convincing the doctors that I needed actual surgery to get the diagnosis because that's the only way to diagnosis. Now I've been talking two minutes solid about fat and about <laughs> how difficult this has been. I don't want to be another book that says this is how to deal with it or how to hold hands with other women with this and we can sing Kumbaya. I don't want to talk about diets or exercise. I want to talk about the ridiculous stuff that happens, how women connect through it, and how we find humor in the most set, the darkest of times. And through storytelling, and sharing the experiences, hopefully somebody who's struggling and just needs a positive light can relate to those stories or those, you know, those those books that I'm um, proposing to write in the future. Um, that it makes them a little bit happier. It makes them feel a little less lonely. I know the feelings that I've experienced, and I don't like them. They're negative feelings. We've all experienced feelings of of insecurities and you know not liking our own bodies and lack of control um, you know if we want to have children in our lives and then it proposes or it comes to a place where we might not be able to there's a stress of that like all of those feelings at some point we all kind of feel at some point if you know if that's what tickles our fancy or if that's what we want in life and I as my first set of books, I want to talk about heavy stuff, but I want to shed light on it. I want to find a relatable, humorous way to get through it, share stories, relate, and connect with other souls. Oh, my goodness. I love it. This is mm. wonderful. And it, it still goes back to your your motto, really, of, mm -hmm. of life being a wild ride and let's share the twisted stories. And I, I agree with you. I think that mindset works better than the... Um, let's, let's all get together and hug and cry and everything. Let's, let's talk about it and have fun and, uh -huh. laugh, and laugh and, uh, heal uh -huh. that way. I think that that's, I, I speak uh -huh. that kind of language. Yes. Exactly. Like we all know that when there's really dark things that happen in our lives, it, let's just put somebody who's sick at some point. You know, whether it's self-induced, I drank too much alcohol and I'm barfing, or I have the flu and I'm barfing, or I have a cancer and I'm barfing from the treatment. You know, barf is barf is barf, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. But, hey, you know, you can somehow find something humorous about it like of course barfing is not fun it's terrible i'm not gonna lie endometriosis nanonomiosis nausea is one of the worst things in the world and i would be i was nauseous every day for a year and i would laugh because it was i would be fine 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 and then all of a sudden i would not be fine and then i would start to laugh and they're like what are you laughing at i was like man i was just about to like projectile vomit right into you <laughs> but then I had to stop talking 
So, wow, you guys got a moment of silence. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I, I'm, I'm almost hesitant to ask, do you have a name, a potential name for this series? Oh, okay. So here's, here's my, here's my thing. I love chin up tits out, but it really hinders me from being in mainstream public eye when it comes to sharing my message on mainstream media. So I lose a little bit in that sense. So I, I do want to take this series down a less provocative title, but I can't seem to get off of the love, love my lady bits. <laughs> I, I can't, I can't, they're like, it's perfect. It's, yeah. but it might be, it might, my publicist might be like, you can't do this. <laughs> <sighs> You know, I'm like, oh, so I, I have to, I like, I'm, I'm far away from it, but I'm not, I mean, I'm not that far away from it, but uh, I'll, I'll come up with something. I'm gonna kind of hold on to that because, like, you know, really, it, it comes down to self love, really. Yeah. You know, you gotta love yourself, even if the parts of you don't work how they're supposed to, or if you get dealt a card. A hand, a hand of cards that is really difficult. It's okay. Love yourself. There's great things about you, and somebody out there loves you. So that first should be you, and then everybody else will love you. Because once you love you, then it's easy to love you. Oh that goodness, me. that's a wonderful message. I love that. Love that. <laughs> well, where can uh, where can people find and follow you online? Ooh, okay, so you can find me on my website at www.mirandao.com, and the O is O-H. Uh, now, you can also find me on Amazon. If you type in Chin Up Tits Out, it's there, so you can find me there. Uh, or you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at O-Miranda-O. Now, it's O-H. Miranda O-H like oh girl like <laughs> oh Miranda and then my last name just because just because <laughs> wonderful or you can hashtag sorry last one you can hashtag chin up tits out and you can also find me oh I saw that yes I saw that mm -hmm. so we'll mm -hmm. have to we'll, we'll put we'll make sure and put links for all that in the show notes so that everybody once you're done listening to this just go to uh, where, wherever you saw this episode wherever you're listening to this episode just pull it back up on your phone or your computer or wherever it is and click that link and then voila, you're there. You're checking it out. You are listening to this amazing woman who's been going through a remarkable life and sharing the laughs and the tears uh, through it all. And uh, we're, we're about to hear an amazing story that I cannot wait to sit here and see how much I can try not to laugh about. But this has been, uh, I, I say delight a lot, but this has truly been a delight to just sit back and take in everything that is Miranda O. And uh, thank you so much for being here. Oh, I, I am having a blast. So uh, thank you. And I'm so excited to read. It's been a little while since I read and like I get right into it. So. All right. Wonderful. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to step aside, try to hold my mouth quiet as I can. And we're going to listen to Miranda O with when all else fails. Chin up, tits out. All right. This book is dedicated to my village. 
You all constantly fueled my patience, love, and strength. Without the people in my village, the Chin Up Tits Out series would not have happened. It would have just been a random, twisted nightmare in my head. Also, a special shout out to Mary Jane and Merlot. The anticipation nearly killed me. After Ryan's permanent residency finally got accepted, it was a whirlwind. We had solidified a move to Canada date, and there was so, so much to do. Ryan and I had been working on getting his residency for four years. When it finally came through, the excitement was amazing, but the panic eventually settled in. He was picking up his life, literally everything he ever knew, everyone he had ever been friends with, his entire family, into a couple of small suitcases that were about to be thrown onto a plane and shipped to the opposite side of the world. Every time we spoke, I could tell he was feeling stressed, and it started to make me worry a little bit. I had been so consumed with getting him into Canada that I didn't stop to think about the potential chance that he didn't even like it here. I didn't stop to think, what if he doesn't love Canada as much as I do? And what if our love for one another wasn't strong enough to keep him here? What if the winters scare him off? All of these stupid questions and doubts raced straight to my heart, which in turn led me to have unexplainable rush of tears. You know, a typical girl meltdown where we sob for no apparent reason. So this is the prologue. This is the date. Okay. As the car pulled up into my parents' driveway, a rush of excitement ran through my body. Everything from the tips of my toes to my cheeks lit up with butterflies. You can do this, Hadley. You've survived worse. As I walked towards his white Ford Escape, I can see his eyes widen as I approach. He hopped out of his SUV and ran around the vehicle, eyeing me up and down as he pulled the gentleman card and opened the door to assist me in. Oh, wow. Hadley. You look amazing, he stammered out. My confidence level just shot through the roof. Yeah, he thinks I'm hot. Damn it, I am hot. Or so I tried to keep convincing myself. As I stepped into the truck, I could feel his eyes on my ass, and I knew this dress was a winner. Thank goodness I was starting to feel like one. Bloody hell, I had the worst dry mouth. My mouth feels like I'm chewing on a cotton ball. That stupid pipe. I should have brought gum. As he gets into the truck, he checks me out from top to bottom, admiringly, while trying to process something intelligent to say. Mm-mm, nope, not going to happen. He sputtered out. So you're ready to stuff your face? I beg your pardon? Stuff my face? Did you really just ask me that? I nervously look at my hands, which are carefully folded on my lap. Yeah, uh, I guess so. I haven't been to the Ivory restaurant before, and I love East Indian food. The flavors and the spices are so exotic and rich. After what felt like a very long drive, we finally arrived at the restaurant. Parking was atrocious, 
So, continuing to be a gentleman, my date offers to let me out at the front door so he can find parking. While waiting for him to park, where does my head go? Crazy Hadley's head goes to shit, 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 shit. I panic. He's dropped me off and he's left me here. I blew the date. I knew it. I can't do this. I'm instantly sweaty and in all the wrong places, if you know what I mean. Oh, my God. I had no idea my lady butts could sweat this much. I ask the host for a table near the window and directly under a vent as I endeavor to get my sweat issue under control and so I have a clear view to see if he actually abandoned me, which will mean I'm dining alone. The aromas from the food in this restaurant are heavenly and making my cotton mouth water. Thank God there's no way I'm going to waste all the work it took to look as good as I think I do. I stare at the window, try not to gawk at every person that walks by, hoping it was my date. Oh, there he is. Oh, of course he didn't abandon me. As usual, it was just my crazy thoughts. Once he sat down and settled in, he simply stared at me in silence. Yes, how may I help you? <sighs> After what felt like forever, I stuttered out. So, uh, how long have you lived in Canada? I mean, go figure. He was a black guy with an African name, so I naturally figured it would be a good conversation starter. At least, I hoped it would be. It was the best my brain could muster up at the moment. Before he could answer, our waiter arrived. Is there anything I could get you two to drink before you hit the buffet for supper? He politely asked. Why? Why? I nervously spit out before even thinking. I tried to make eye contact with my date in agreement. Oh, no, no, no. Not for me. I don't drink while I eat. Just water for me, please. He smiled at our waiter and crossed his hands neatly on the table. You've got to be kidding me. I am sitting here with my arms tight against my body, my hands trembling under the table because my lady parts are still sweating, and thanks to this cold vent above, I'm now trying to contain my high beams. <laughs> and now I'm drinking alone. Can this be any more humiliating? I try not to roll my eyes, but who is kidding whom here? Of course he caught me. Oh, no, 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 Hadley. Have a drink if you want. I'm driving, and I want to save my drinking for the social later. Oh, did I even tell you about the social? Social? I quizzically asked. So, side note, a wedding social in good old Manitoba, Canada, is where the couple puts on kind of a fundraiser that they invite their extended family and friends and a whole bunch of strangers for cheap drinks, silent auction prizes, and all the proceeds go to the bride and groom. And then they use that to pay for their wedding. So it's like a huge Manitoban tradition. Um, so that's what a wedding social is. Okay, back to the book here, everybody. Let's focus. Okay. I can't do a wedding social. Seriously? Too many people. Too many happy people. Happy people getting married. Oh. What the hell am I doing? This is a date was supposed to be a positive step in my therapy, not self-torture. I can't do this. Do you think it would be rude if I asked to leave now, like right now? 
Oh, yeah. After dinner, I thought we could hit up a wedding social. It's a Filipino couple that my buddy knows. It should be a riot. He smiled quite proud that he came up with what he obviously considered to be an awesome master plan for our first date. Little did he know I was dying inside with a big shit-ass grin on my face as I faked appreciation. I was doing everything in my power to choke back a panic attack while waiting for my wine so I could drink alone on this first date, which I was not handling well at all. Stupid therapist. PhD my ass. Hmm. New definition of PhD. Pathetic Hadley does it again. What does he know? Anyways. Oh, that sounds so much fun. I said with a shaky voice. My heart was screaming at me, telling me it was a bad idea, but my head was telling me to go. This is a way out of my comfort zone. My therapist told me to go outside of my comfort zone. Hmm. But this feels more like running naked across the football field just prior to kickoff at the Super Bowl. Everything about this was way out of my comfort zone. We dined and chatted throughout supper. By the time we were done, my nerves had calmed a bit, thanks to the wine. I was finally able to breathe without my chest feeling as if it was closing in on me. My hands were only clammy, not trembling and dripping with sweat anymore. And the high beams finally had gone back down to where they belong. I felt like I was on a roll. Then the bill came. Do I reach for it? Do I ignore it? God, I haven't done this in so long. Do I offer to pay my share or do I let him pay? What if he expects something in return? Ah, thank you, sir. My date says grabbing the bill before I could even compile my thoughts. How can something as simple as paying a dinner tab cause so much stress? And the night isn't even close to being over. Oh, bloody hell, Hadley, keep it together. You ready to go? I planned to stop at my buddy's place for a couple of drinks before the social. You cool with that? He smiled with a twinkle in his eye. He's so proud of his plan. No, I want to go home is what I want to say. But a miniature form of my therapist appears on my shoulder, again coaching me to go beyond my comfort zone. Stupid doctor pain in my ass. It feels like a devil on my shoulder. And I'm desperately, desperately praying for the angel to show up. But of course, I'm not that lucky. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. That should be fun. Is it just the three of us going to the social? I asked, trying to focus on breathing through this overpowering feeling of fear crawling up my legs like long arms from hell gripping deep into the pit of my stomach. Breathe, Hadley. Just keep breathing. Oh, no. I think there's eight of us going. You'll have to forgive my buddies. They're great, but all of them are single. So you'll ha get to escort the seven of us. He chuckled to himself, probably assuming I'd like all the attention. Seven guys. Seven guys? And me, Hadley? What are you doing? Where is your brain right now? You're probably walking into some gangbang porno snuff video. Hmm. Or, like my baba calls it, pornography. This is all in your head, girl. Shake it off, chin up, tits out. You can handle anything after the hell that you have already survived. You got this. Yeah, I do. 
Yeah, I can own these guys and the night. Oof. What did I just talk myself into? Oh, I am one lucky girl, aren't I? I chuckled out sarcastically, gently throwing a soft punch into his shoulder. How are you ever going to compete with the other six for my attention? Too cocky? Mm, a little bit? Ah, hell, this flirting shit is hard. My date looked down, pretending to watch his toe kick a pebble on the ground as he shook his head and blushed. Wait a minute. Did I just make a black man blush? Ha! Yes! Hell yeah! Hadley! I'm just kidding, I quickly stammered out as I soon realized I might have embarrassed him. I arrive with you. I'll leave with you. That's the golden rule, I chuckled out nervously. What golden rule, Hadley? You fool. You just made some lame-ass rule up, all while boosting his ego and assuring him you will leave with him. What if he turns out all creepster? Did I just sign myself up for a booty call? Is this considered a booty call? Oh, my God. We arrived at his buddy's apartment, and as we walked down the hall, you could hear a party brewing at the end of the building. My date opened the door, and as I walked in, I see six large black guys sitting back, legs spread eagle, beers in hands, and chatting. No, sorry, yelling amongst themselves. Did I just walk into some angry confrontation? Is this an African thing? Do all Africans talk that loud? It sounds like there's a loud, angry conversation, but yet all of them are laughing. I breathe, I smile, I say hi. My date proactively grabbed both of us a beer, guided me to the only open seat in the apartment. As I sit down, all six guys go silent and stare at me like I'm a lamb up for slaughter. Then they all quickly stood up, graciously shook my hand, and individually introduced themselves. Stupid Hadley, there you go again, letting your own anxiety and fear take over normal brain function. And no, I don't remember any of their names, let alone how to pronounce them. I was, of course, too shit scared to have anything actually register in my brain. How rude of me. I definitely have some practicing to do. This brain loss is yet another symptom. Maybe I should probably be discussing with my therapist. After downing a couple of beers, I felt like I was calming down and I could start to breathe again. No one was sensing my anxiety, so I was managing to hide it quite well. Although my hands were still sweaty, I had to wrap my scarf around my beer bottle just so I could sip it without the bottle slipping right through them. But the point here is that no one noticed, and we all seemed to be enjoying the evening. Maybe it's my charming intellectual self shining through. <laughs> Hell no. Who's getting who here? Guys become oblivious when a pair of boobs walk into the room. Duh. It was time to hit the social. Hadley, it's about time to show up to a Filipino social with seven boisterous men from Africa. A little white girl rocking up with her posse of black boys. Yeah, that's right. You can see the irony in this yet, but believe me, this is crazy in so many ways. African time is a real thing, you know. 
It's where you add at least two hours to any scheduled time. We showed up to the social so late there was absolutely no parking anywhere close to the entrance whatsoever. I saw a temporary bus pass and sarcastically suggested that we move it and park where the bus stop used to be. Well, they did it. They moved it. They parked there. Brilliant. As a group of us sauntered through the doors, looking like we own the place, the fear started to creep into the pit of my stomach again. My hands and feet started to sweat. My body was trembling, and then I froze instantly. I could feel my toes smush at the tip of my shoes. And yet again, sweat in all the wrong places, as I felt a bead of sweat drip from the bottom of my butt cheek and run down the back of my leg. Oh, my God. I can't believe I don't smell like a linebacker late in the third quarter. I hope no one saw that. Breathe, Hadley. Just keep breathing. Everyone fanned out and went in their own direction. As my date started to walk into the social, my feet were still frozen into place. Look at all of these people. There were hundreds of them. I couldn't move my feet. I was stuck as in frozen in time. My date turned around and saw me standing there looking white as a sheet and feeling like a lost puppy. You okay? He asked with concern as he walked back to me. Yeah, yeah, it's just been a while since I've been to one of these. Just taking it all in, I smiled graciously, all while lying through my teeth. The last wedding type function I was at was my own. My heart slowly crumbling into a million pieces. The pain was so real and intense, my eyes glazed over as I tried to get the pictures of my wedding out of my head. This was all in the past now. Keep breathing, Hadley. Chin up, tits out. You can do this. No, you can't. I want to roll into a ball. I want to protect myself. I want to cry because it hurts too much to be here. He grabbed my hand, which broke the fog in my head, and he walked me through the crowd, dodging the dancing people and children running everywhere. He got me a drink and suggested we dance. We ate, we danced, and we drank, and we eventually, my fear dissipated. After a few drinks and after a few dances, the smile on my face actually became real. Was I really having fun? I had completely forgotten what it felt like to have fun and just simply live in the moment. Okay, it was totally the alcohol. But if it meant I didn't have to feel pain and I could find drunken laughter, what the hell? I wasn't about to stop now. The end of the night came around, and as it turned out, I thoroughly enjoyed myself. I didn't want it to end, though. I knew the ride home was right around the corner, and I couldn't turn my mind off. If I go home, all the fear and the pain will once again creep back to become my reality. I won't sleep. I will picture my life the way it used to be, when my life was the way that I wanted it to be. Partying with seven black guys was never something I could have pictured as being part of my reality. But I was proud of myself for having made seven new friends and feeling happier in that moment than I had in months. I didn't want this feeling to end. So I shimmied my shoulders and wiggled my butt into my date. I spun around trying to dance to the tune in the background. Truth is, I am so tone deaf, 
I have no idea if I'm even keeping a beat. Hell, I know I'm not, but this feels great. I totally and utterly dance like the stereotypical white girl, and I am sorry for inducing that stereotype. So, um, I'm not ready for this night to end yet. Want to head back to your place? I whispered in my dates here. The fear was creeping in again. It took every strength I had to fake this confidence and sensuality. His head sprung back from my face. He looked at me in surprise. Yeah, of course. If that's what you want, let's go right now. Like right now. He grabbed my hand and he dragged me towards the door. Adios, motherfucker. <laughs> that was Miranda O. reading When All Else Fails, Chin Up, Tits Out. It's book two in the series. It's available for you right now. Book one and two, go pick them up. Book three is coming with early 2020. So get on over to her website, uh, click the link in the show notes so you can follow her, hear more about what she is up to, because you don't want to miss out when this lady's next book comes out. Make sure to also follow our friends and sponsors in the show notes, click the links for them, and also hit that subscribe button so that next week you don't miss out when we're back here with another author, a new book, and another sample chapter. Thanks everybody. Take care. <laughs>